Welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. My name is Ted DeMaison. I'm Lisa Rowland. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. That's right. And today we have a very we have a very special guest on the podcast a today. Super fun guest. A super great guy. Uh, we're talking with Corey Rosen. The one and only. The in, in irrepressibly charming and cheerful Corey Rosen, who's written a book. Just released a book called Your Story Well Told. Yeah, about the sort of intersections of improvisation and storytelling. Tips for storytelling and ways he thinks about stories. And we are also joined, as you may notice, by... By Ramona, who is awake right now. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Uh, this is a two-part conversation so listen to this one come back for the second episode and uh, if you want to get Corey's book you can get a discount at the publisher's website mango m-a-n-g-o dot b-z b as in boy z as in zebra Uh, and if you put in the code monsterbaby10 you'll get 10% off yeah and we think it's a capital m capital b doesn't need it I tried it out don't need it you tried it just monsterbaby10 forget it then get it and go yeah Yeah. great so check out Corey's book it's it's really great and uh, listen in tell your story people (laughs) tell your story enjoy I'm excited to see you. It's great. I'm so happy. I'm seeing, for people who don't know, I'm, we're seeing each other. We are recording this in person, all sitting together. Huddled yeah. huddled around a computer and three different microphones. Yes. Four people. Lisa, you can't, that's true. Lisa's bouncing on a ball with Ramona. With a tiny person who is not, oh yes, her eyes are closing. So yeah. we will have a napping baby. We will be a very boring. I'm just going to promise people listening, this will be a put your baby to sleep or the podcast, but it will be interesting nonetheless. But if you are a very young child, this might make you fall asleep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, maybe you don't want to be driving while you're doing this. If you have a baby that you're hoping to get to sleep, turn this Turn on. this Our favorite. On. Make this a favorite episode already. Star it. That's right. Get your kids, get everybody into the nursery. Come around, children. We're going to have... For monster babies of all kinds. To lay their little heads on their monster pillows. Somebody just put a post on Facebook with a photo of summer camp, and they said, do you remember rest hour? We used to have rest hour at summer camp, and it was the best idea. I think we should bring it back. And I thought, I haven't thought of rest hour in a long time. It's ultimately siesta, right? I know. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It was right before dinner, after your afternoon activities, before dinner, time to clean up. Oh, that's when it was that when rest that's hour was when rest for? hour was for us it was uh-huh. in the afternoon Quiet your before bodies. dinner yeah. yeah oh for us it was after lunch Interesting. at summer camp yeah it's like just chill out in bed read yeah anyway i liked, I liked it i like that I, I do take naps i just haven't thought of them as rest hour well oh. time to rebrand we should all have rest well, our rest hour was actually 45 minutes it was not ever a full hour did you have a full rest hour? you had a rest period we had a rest period yeah. they called it rest hour but it was always a little oversold i'm gonna be honest i go to summer camp and we've never called it rest hour yeah what do you call it we don't have that structured oh. moment we do have snack we have snack east coast at, east coast west coast snack at three maybe it's an east coast west snack we don't have snacks we don't we don't do that it's a cultural thing <laughs> out here we have snacks yeah yeah and the West Coast is just go get her, go go get them, go get them. Yeah. Time to do camp. Go, go, yeah. go. And then rest. And then rest. When you, you know, you rest, you sleep. You rest, you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I enjoy resting. Me too. 
Corey, yeah. we, we have invited you on the podcast. Has anybody asleep, by the way? I'm just curious from the audience. Has anybody fallen asleep? If, if so, they're not going to be able to tell us. They can't. Right. Yeah. I was going to say make a note in the chat. That's not even what we're doing. We can't, we're not doing it that way. There are real people in a room. This is now we realize what we've grown accustomed to. Put a note in the chat. There's no, there's no chat. Our, we're going to have to change our whole way of communicating with people. Yes. Like, I, there's something that I need to share with you. I have to just tell it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't write it down somewhere. It makes my contact. I can't put it in the chat and hope somebody else in the room notices it. I am noticing, though, some of the Zoom protocol about not talking at the same time. Yeah. That's good life advice. Mm-hmm. Totally. Very helpful. Indicate that you have something to say and wait until nobody else is talking. Yes. 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 I feel like we're not, we just started doing that a little I know, better. Me too. Me too. But we're also, we're old friends. Yes. Sure. We all have so much to say. Well, this is, this is it. I, I feel like this episode could go on for hours which is going to make for a good lasting sleep for the people who are sleeping <laughs> but there's so much that's happened and and you've just released a book so uh we know you as friend as colleague uh and maybe you can tell us who you are in your words but you've just released a book called your story well told and we're psyched to hear about that and what you're up to and yeah we here at monster baby love stories we love stories that are well told and improv and all of these things come together in your book so we're super stoked to chat with you about it i am so excited to be here and to talk about it so i I can tell you a little bit about the book yeah will you first tell us who you are i mean like when you so you go to a let's say you go to a book reading Mm -hmm. and you don't know anybody and they say and you start up you're like let me tell you a little about myself yeah what do you say it's com- it's a complicated question because I just did one. I it is uh, July of 2021 when we're recording this, and I am we we are in the same world, which is partially opening, reopening, mm-hmm. hopefully more opening. And I did my first in person event in uh, my hometown of Rochester, New York, and it was a thrill, a joy to do all of those things. One to travel back to my Amen. home for the first time in over two years to see my family, my brothers, their spouses and everyone, to to be in front of a crowd of people doing the thing that I love, talking, teaching, being together with people. But three, having to explain myself to a group of people, which I think is a very human thing of which me am I? Mm. We all often wear a lot of hats. So one of the things that in this context, so my name is Corey Rosen. I am a first-time author. I wrote a book called Your Story Well Told, and it combines various parts of me. One of those parts is I am an improviser. Uh, Together with Lisa and Ted at Bats Improv in San Francisco, I make up stories. I teach and train people, classes, corporations, people about using the skills of improvisation to listen, to tell stories, to collaborate, to work together in different ways, performative and in the skills of life. I also wear the hat of host of the Moth Story Slams in the Bay Area. The Moth. The Moth. Like a insect, flying insect. Like the Moth Flying Insect, which I wanted to mention. So in Rochester, New York, the Moth is not a thing. Like it is not carried oh. on the local, you know, WXXI, the local NPR affiliate that I grew up listening to, does not carry it. So unless you are a podcast listener, unless you are savvy to the to what that is, that means nothing to them, whereas other people maybe who are listening to this 
are fans of or are familiar with. So that does that does nothing for some people and it does a lot for others. Yeah. But the moth has is a very special thing for me because I'm a fan of the moth. Mm-hmm. I went to the moth. I tell stories at the moth, which is a showcase where people and by people I mean anybody. You don't have to be a performer or professional in any capacity. You just put your name in a hat and say, I want to tell a story. Yeah. And you get chosen to go on stage and tell true stories, which is so captivating to me. So what I, who I am is I am a storyteller. I am an improviser. And the book that I wrote, Your Story Well Told, is about the intersection of those two specific things. Mm-hmm. So it is about taking our lives, our stories, our selves, communicating them in our best way and bringing in the presence and the mindfulness that improvisation sort of seeps into our ourselves so that the stories that we tell, while maybe they are our true stories and are prepared, also have the benefit of understanding how an improviser adapts in the moment, mm. changes and stays open to the reality that is around them. So that is who I am today. Love it. Great. <laughs> also dad, husband, Great person in general. I mean, you don't need to toot your horn as a great person, but Incredibly I can. Incredibly talented musician, multi-talented yeah. musician. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I also describe myself by my uh, other career, which is that I work in visual effects and animation, working for a number of years for companies like Lucas, Disney, Comedy Central, Jim Henson Productions, and yeah. So I've do- I've done a lot of things in my life, and all of those things are the things that give me stories to talk about. Right. Are in part my interests. You know, I've always been the kind of person who's like, I'm interested in that. How might I, you know, explore more about that? And sometimes it leads to a job. Sometimes it leads to just an experience or a, mm-hmm. or a story about. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you have, you have a lot of experiences that lead to great stories. I'm, and that, as I've been reading in the book, like, the, the, you've got a a cachet of cool to some of the places you've been and the things you've done. And I think that oftentimes people feel that way about improvisers, like, wait, you get on stage and you you perform, you make stuff up. So that alone has some cachet, but then you've got a whole range of other stuff. It, do people need to have cool experiences in order to have tell good stories? Absolutely not. You need to be alive. Uh-huh. That's helpful. When I started improvising at BATS with like, I don't know, Dave Dennison and the kinds of specific references that Dave could pull out from his, you know, his just memory, his education, his interest in subjects. And then I would ask him later about it and be like, oh, I just made that up. Like he sometimes didn't know things and sometimes he knew a, a lot of great detail about them. A lot of what's joyful to me about improvising in general is you get to play smarter than you are. Yeah. You get to be whoever you are. And in the moment of doing that, the more wrong I am sometimes, the more fun I'm having with my partners who are maybe saying yes to that idea of like, this is this reality Mm. that you have just made up, you have invented. Yeah. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Completely. Oh, completely. Yes. And there's this sort of excited anticipatory eye contact of like oh i will go there with you sure you know like deciding that this is yeah so i feel like i have had this feeling sort of building off of ted's question of like 
Or when I think about it, wanting to tell a story, being like, I don't have stories. But I know that's not, immediately afterwards, I'm yeah. like, well, I know that's not true. I know it's not true that I don't have stories. So like, when you work with people, mm-hmm. or if you have this experience, yeah. like, how do you uncover the stories? Yeah, how do you uncover the stories that people don't know they have? Mm. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody says like, oh, tell me a joke, and you go, I don't know any jokes. Yeah. And then they tell you a joke. Oh, I know this one. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Stories are very much like that for me. Uh-huh. If I say, tell me a story, there's this clam up thing that happens of like, I don't know where to start. And then you go, oh, tell me a story about a pen, a ballpoint pen. Oh my God, I have this great story about uh-huh. this thing that happened. Yeah. Where I'm in class and I'm sucking on this pen and it exploded in my mouth and I had no idea. Then I got up and I gave an oral report. And I have this giant blue thing on my mouth and everybody's just staring at me. And I think they're really captivated by my oral. Really, it's because I've got blue ink all over my mouth. And finally, somebody hands me a, you know, like you could tell a story by just having the right prompt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Inspiration. And I feel like that's something I talk about in my book. But it's this idea of sometimes just tapping into our stream of consciousness of sorts and just saying yes to an idea. And it might not be your best story, but if we start down the path of here's a story and then that story reminds me of this story that reminds me of this, what we can ultimately get to is like, oh, there's a story there. Mm -hmm. There's something that connects those dots. Mm -hmm. And then for me, then the next phase of that is like, well, what's this story really about? Is finding the story for me isn't about the sequence of things even. That's what happens. The story is about something else yeah can we can we put a bookmark on that because i want to hear about that also uh about what makes a story a story but the this that reminds me of Mm -hmm. is that something we can do right now yeah can we play a little play a little around it like yeah so this is a game that anybody can play this is a great first date game this is a great dinner conversation game when you're talking about the same thing does this put children to sleep No, it wakes them up, unfortunately. And by the way, your child is asleep. She's asleep. I gave you just now the symbol that Jenny and I would give, like when one person's bouncing the baby and you can't see. When we go like this, this is like eyes are closed. So I don't know if you noticed me go like this. I did. I was like, I wonder what he's trying to tell me. I was throwing you Corey, Jenny sign language. Yeah. And then we'll go like this too. Like if, if it's the other way, if you see me go like that, that means just to let you know. Great. Could it, could it have been an alien talking, little hand coming to a close? It looks like that. It's a, like your fist is kind of like a duck closed, but baby's eyes are closed open. So let's start with uh, hand, shadow or hand puppets. I'm going to say, what does that make you think of? I think of this, uh, my dad, when we go visit my dad uh, every other weekend after my parents split up, would take us to this um, place in Cambridge that had children's shows, and sometimes they would do hand puppet shows. Mm. I'll just give you also the parameters. So in this game, and that reminds me of the time, or that reminds me of the whole idea is that you just, it's just any part of it. It doesn't have to be the whole story. It could be puppet shows reminds me of, or seeing my parents reminds me of any aspect of that. Great. Just that reminds you of the only thing you can't say is that reminds me of the same thing happened because it is a, a yes and game. And it's where you have to be able to loft the ball back by having something. And it doesn't have to be a whole story. It could be just like Ted did a memory, an image, an icon, a time in your life. Yeah, yeah. It should be true. Great, great. I It reminds me of a time that I was visiting 
Ben Johnson, Mm -hmm. improviser, in New York City. And we were sort of wandering the neighborhood. Maybe his kids were playing at a playground. And there was like a puppet puppet truck. Mm -hmm. This like truck that rolled up and then produced a puppet show on the blacktop near the playground. And I was so delighted by the surprise puppet show. Mm -hmm. And I'm delighted by puppets anyway. And so I got very excited by the sort of yeah, spontaneous and surprise nature of this roll-up puppet truck. I love it. Okay, wandering around New York City reminds me of a time when I was just out of college and I was wandering around New York. My brother lived in New York, and in a playground in, near Canal Street, there was a shoot, like a remote shoot going on of some Muppets from, I think, a Sesame Street episode or something, because there was, I want to say, Zoe, the puppet Zoe. Yeah was there and there was just a small crew and I just like all of myself came together. I was like my sort of, I'm interested in, in television and production, but I love the Muppets. I love the, I love Sesame Street. So it was this wonderful experience of I'm in New York seeing a, a episode of this show being made. Mm. So cool. Uh, the Muppets reminds me of uh, one of the first set of DVDs that I started buying in order to sell on eBay, to make money on eBay, was when the Muppet Show collection came out and I somehow had access to episodes from the original Muppet Show on TV and then I was selling them for more than I paid for them. My entrepreneurial life begun. (laughs) Um, DVDs uh, makes me think of a couple of DVDs that I still have in spite of having virtually no way to play them like I you know um uh and one of them is singing in the rain and one of them is noises off which is my very one of my very very favorite movies and I also for a long time kept a VHS copy of Hook long after I did not have a VCR but I had such a nostalgic attachment to the movie Hook, starring Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. It is an outstanding film about grown-up Peter Pan. Go watch it. It was big in my childhood. Hmm. Yeah. So what we've just done, and the beauty of this exercise and this game, is that we've all just now, in a few exchanges, remembered something that, if I just said, tell me a story, you wouldn't have told me about the first time you went on eBay and tried to sell Muppet DVDs or your VHS copy of Hook. Yeah. Um, or the things below the surface that those also alluded to. Dealing with the aftermath of a divorce, reuniting with an old friend, or all of these things of like, to me, that's what the stories are, that's the bed of a story too, is what else is going on? There's this amazing, funny, uh, whimsical anecdote yeah. that's on the surface of it, and then there's the, the heart of it below. And what the game does is it allows us to be just free in that, we're not committing to this. I'm not saying I'm going to write a story about, yeah, you know. you know, about seeing the Sesame Street shoot in New York. But by going back in that little time machine, we allow ourselves into that space where we could then explore our ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my overall philosophy is that we are full of stories. Yeah. So whether you've had an interesting finger quotes job or experience. You just look at the things that have happened to you and your perception of them and experience with them itself is a story. And then your your perception and perspective on it is what makes it interesting. Yeah. And I suppose the, the fact that these things stand out to us, like the fact that these things are little blips in our memory radar, indicate that there's something in them that 
meant something to us. So they're like little tap roots. It feels like there's like they're like puppet show is a little tap root that goes down and reveals something. Cool word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like strikes a chord or like fi- do tap roots find water? They do, yeah. right? Like yeah, finds yeah. a reservoir. Yeah, I of, love that. Yes. Of values. Yeah, and it the the game also sort of addresses that question we brought up earlier of it's just it's just conjuring the memories, just conjuring the memories, and then as you said, Corey, there's like something below that. There's some some deeper water, deeper well, that's got some emotion or some meaning or some something to it, some juice to it. So it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I do have some stories I could tell. Yeah. And so a lot of my process as a storyteller and a lot of my kind of coaching and advice to other people too is about this divide that happens with people are doing sort of the work of, I need to come up with a story. I need to write a story. And the preciousness that that sometimes feels, like it feels like, oh, I have to think of something good. I better wait for the big idea. Story with a capital S. Yeah. Versus what we just did, which were stories with a lowercase s. And when you can ricochet and you can rebound ideas in a very non you know, non-precious way, what you actually can open up is those tap roots and those like veins to there's other things I just hadn't even considered. Yeah. Mm. And that's where I often find some of my best ideas is not my first idea, but it's the subsequent idea behind the idea behind the idea. It's just like in ideation and improvisation, I often say like, you know, get the bad ideas out of the way. Mm-hmm. The first idea that I come up with for something is usually the first idea because, oh, I just saw a show that did that. Right. <laughs> I've just read a book that had that subject line. I am just copying somebody else because it's in my head. But when I can then say it, articulate it, that clears the deck. Now I can find what's the weirder one or the different mm-hmm. one or the innovative one behind it. And that, that attitude feels so much that find a find a lowercase s story feels very improvisational in terms of like the process of getting to a story is listen you can't you can't go you can't think you're going to start with the good just no. start with the be average just be start fine yeah yes start with okay yeah so those those little things that we just came up with uh, that reminds me of or that reminds me of a time those sound like memories mm-hmm. so uh, coming back now to your the thing you were about to share with us. What what turns those into a story? Like why why is because that's just a little snippet. It's not yeah. you know, like, oh yeah, I feel moved or transformed or something. Like what's the Totally. Uh everyone that I've asked has a different definition of what a story is. Ooh. It's one of those wiggly, weird things. I could ask you, I could just tell you yeah. mine or Ooh. do you want you want to Let's see. Let's play see. like what is our Well, I feel like when I'm talking about improvisation, when I'm teaching storytelling in improv classes, I say it's not a story unless there's a change. Mm-hmm. So either the main character needs to be different at the end than they were at the beginning or the world needs to be different at the end than at the beginning or or their world needs to be different. So there's some change that happens and some learning, some transformation that happens over the course of the sequence of events that makes it a story. I think of it as a a telling of events that has some meaning or gives us some insight or some delight, like a little, it could be an entertaining story, it could be a, a motivational story or a healing story, but it's it's got something that it's doing, some recollection of events that is doing something that we wanted to do. 
beautiful, beautiful. It's what I love about this is that my definition is actually the confluence of both of your definitions. Because Lisa's about stories are about change. Something has to be different at the end and the beginning. If nothing changes, it is not a story. It is a thing that happened. There's no change. And what Ted said about meaning, like what is what is what is it about mm-hmm. that there's something else that is there? Uh, Ira Glass has a beautiful way of articulating that for him a story is about the what he calls the anecdote and the moment of reflection. Mm. There has to be a sequence of things. That's the anecdote. This is what happened. And then there's the why. Why am I telling you this? Why do I why am I listening to this? Can I like workshop something real quick? Yeah. Okay. So this is actually a story that I have told on the podcast, but it's this crazy story about getting locked in a closet on my due date. Right. That and that the the knob came off on, in my hand and I had to MacGyver my way out of this closet. Nine months pregnant, I was changing my neighbor's kitty litter. So, I went through all of these sort of like mental exercises about, okay, I might give birth in a closet, I might right like these things that might happen because I'm here, and I think it's an interesting story. It's an interesting event. It's an right? interesting event. It's Beautiful. a really interesting event. It's sort of, oh my God, you're crazy. What? That's crazy. I can't believe you know that. What a wild thing to have happen. But I'm like, is it a story? It's on the way to being. It's on. It's a step. It's in. It's a, definitely the anecdote. Yeah. It's an interesting. It's hooky. Yeah. You know, it's got a great hook. It's yeah. got, you know, all of these things. It's a, it's surprising. You know, all of the things that we want in our stories. Because yeah. there's mm-hmm. the difference between what is a story and then like what is a good story. Right. Because oh, okay. yeah. what you've already indicated are things that are like, I would want to hear that. You have captured my interest, my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there are elements like stakes in the story like i already know there are stakes there is is she gonna have the baby in the closet or yeah. not is she gonna get out of that closet? yeah how is she, she gonna, gonna get, get out of the closet? closet are there any cheez-its in the closet yes what is in there how would i get out of the closet putting right. myself putting the listener into a story is an amazing way to make us care mm-hmm. about the story that you are telling and it's not a story until you shape it in that way that is that is, you know, like the Ken Adam story spine is the perfect way to then sort of workshop our stories. So uh-huh. if people are not familiar with Ken Adam story spine, you can read about it in my book, but also Ken Adam's book or many others. But the Ken Adam story spine starts with a once upon a time and an every day. Like what is normal in the world of this story? Mm-hmm. I am a nine month pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. I am doing the normal things that I do. I, I have to help my neighbor feed her cats and do the thing. This yes. is what these are. This is the world I live in. Until one day, this time. I find myself in the closet and the door closes behind me. Dun, you know, dun, dun, dun. yeah. And because of that, I reach back to open the door and the door handle comes off. Right. And because of that, and because of that, and because of that, we are drawn now into this. So where then I go as a storyteller is now I go okay well what do I want. My, my, ever since that day, like, I'm assuming you got out of the closet. Got out of the closet. Didn't have this baby in the closet. We're going to want to know some of those things. How did you get out? What was your until finally? What did you change? Maybe next time you find yourself going into a closet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or if that's not the change, uh, you know, what, like, I've, I've heard a similar story about a woman trapped in a bathroom trying to figure out her way out and she no longer closes the door. <laughs> she always like pees with the door open, yeah. you know. And I, you know, I did have this moment. This so like to, to Ira Glass's point of like it's an anecdote with a point of reflection. There was this part of me that's like, 
women have so the idea of connecting it to something deeper like women have given birth in all sorts of circumstances for all of history and probably i'd be i'd be i would join the i would join the ranks of those women and i would give birth in this litter box and this would be the and you know right i would join the the current of womankind yeah I don't know how many women like, have given birth in a litter box. No, but they give it. You know, they've they, they've but they've done it in they've, crazy circumstances. In fields and yeah. streams and moving yeah. airplanes hey, and stacks. cars. Yeah. yeah, in in my in my book, <laughs> your story well told. I talk about something that I call going going up and going down. Going uh-huh. up and going down. And I go into more detail in the book, but the idea is exactly this: is somewhere in the middle of the story. Stop telling the story and just start the reflection right in the middle of the story. Mm. So your character could be at a crisis or at a moment instead of just saying, and what I did next, which is a very human thing. And then what happened? And then what happened? But instead taking us 10,000 feet above your own story, Mm. looking down and being like, look at me. you know. And that could be in the moment. That could be now looking back at that time. Mm -hmm. Or going down is going into like, how am I? doing in that how moment feeling like emotions yeah, yeah. and it's down. a beautiful way then to give like to kind of pour gas or refill the tank to take us out and that mm. momentum is a beautiful way to drive drive yourself to the conclusion of your story which is that it's not just about what it, it's about it's about something else yeah the continuum of women giving birth giving birth right <laughs> right yeah and this one happened bringing bringing someone into the world yeah in a way that re- resembles your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The wonder, the strain, the chaos, the... Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. That's cool. There's, so there's that. We, that. That sounds like a mindfulness moment too, right? So mm. it's like having the momentum, the sort of automaticity of, oh, this is just, this is what happened, this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. Like pause, take a step back, look at, okay, what's the surroundings? And... And we've talked when we had Dan O'Connor on, we played with advanced color emotion and, and that sort of looking at stories and drawing out more details of what's the surrounding, what's the setting, or what are you wearing, or what are you smelling as color and emotion is this for your, in your language is going down. Yeah, yeah. Like what's, what's the feeling? And to me, that's a mindfulness moment in the storytelling thing is to say, oh, let's, hold on take a breath yeah whew, this is what was happening and then yeah. and then okay let's get back on the horse right we, and i love the idea of refueling like we just stopped at the saloon got a yeah. drink of water or you know a little little quaff or something it also does feel like just to apply it in yet another context the mindfulness moment of like you're living your life and going from like one thing to the next to the next to the next and having a moment to be like, hold on, how am I? Mm-hmm. How yeah. am I? Yeah. Or zooming out and being like, what? It, how does this fit? How does this fit? Like, what are the pieces of this story that I'm in the middle of? Yeah. And what is the bird's eye view of the sequence of events that I that I'm living right now? I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Almost every guided meditation. I'm a guided meditationy kind of person. Yeah. I don't do well. You with are this a song. guided meditation kind of guy. Like I like those. And they almost always start with just that taking stock, right? How's your body? How are you right now? How are you feeling? Where are you you holding it? That's a storytelling technique there. That's a mindful storytelling technique. If you are only driving towards the end, as a storyteller, what I notice when people are doing that too is they've got blinders on. They're in their story. They are seeing their way through it. 
and they're actually excluding us. Mm. Oh, so interesting. the idea of color advance emotion too in our storytelling is so important because it opens up the, the blinders to say, let me show you what I see. Because if you don't, what you're doing when you tell your story is you're just creating words for us to play a movie in our minds that's yeah. going to look different. My closet in my mind probably looks nothing like yours. It's going to resemble it. It's a closed space. It's dark. There are things hanging on hangers. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it's a pantry. I don't know. <laughs> but when we color our storytelling, what we allow to is we bring people into our... Yeah. So it's a way of, of being mindful, but also being inclusive, inclusive yeah. of... This is the story. This is the experience that I have. I love that. It's like really, it's like being a gracious host. It's like, let me, let me bring you into my experience instead of like, I'll tell you about my experience and then you can watch me have that memory. Yes. yes. So I have a question. This is, yeah. this is a little, little pivot. Uh, but, but I like, I wonder what, like, why do you find storytelling so why has it compelled you for so long? And yeah, like what, what, yeah. what's your, yeah. What's your deal, man? What's your deal? What's your story? This is going to be personal to, to my, maybe my journey or myself. Yeah. It may be similar to something that Ted said earlier. Like I'm one of those people that's like, wow, I feel like I, an interesting thing happened and I like talking about it. And I'm one of those, um, you know, more outgoing kind of person who has told my story to other people and like people saying that's a good story. Like I've had some encouragement mm. from just interactions in my life. But what's been the magic for me is I went from being a improviser, being a performer, being a storyteller and host of shows to having this amazing situation when you, when I host a show of storytellers or lead a workshop, teach a class of storytellers, I have the better experience of getting to listen to other people tell their stories. And while, yes, I like to hear myself talk and, and I think I have interesting stories, I am so delighted by the, really, the authenticity and the credibility of just people's stories, people's life experiences. Because the thing that's really taught me by listening to story after story after story is why we are telling stories mm -hmm. because it occurs to me that what we're really just doing is we're we have survived something mm -hmm. whether it's a very small and almost inconsequential thing or almost getting you know almost having a baby in a closet or whatever that is mm -hmm. we've survived something and our storytelling is passing that on to someone else mm -hmm. as if you ever find yourself you know with a bunch of muppet dvds and an eBay account in 1997, here's what didn't work. <gasps> or, you know, right. like you're telling, you're communicating. So storytelling, the hook for me is that it's, it's a relatable sequence of things that is so specific and personal to how you did it and what you got out of it. Uh -huh. And it's always, I mean, if it's poorly told that it doesn't do this, but usually it opens up for me both an enjoyment factor or interest education um and, or at the very least just a connection mm -hmm. it's the ways that we connect with other people by hearing their stories so if they have incredibly different life experiences it doesn't matter there's something that you have in common or i know what it's like to be hungry i know what it's like to be lonely i know mm. what it's like to be loved 
or to, to grieve or whatever the emotion behind it. I don't know your life. I don't know your experience, but I know what it's like to be in the thing that your story is about. Mm -hmm. It's almost like what I'm hearing and what you're saying is it's, it's like a survival method, right? Survival in the like, I might get literal information that gives me a way to get out of the jam that I'm in or even just making connection. Now we've got each other to rely on. I'm not so alone can move through the world and yeah i mean think about funerals right what do we do at funerals cry tell stories tell stories tell stories, stories tell are the memories. way yeah yeah the ways that we remember things that happen in our lives how we pass that on yeah uh-huh. talking to my parents and older relatives and people it's like i just want to hear everybody's stories i want mm. them to talk mm. about Tell me about your mom. Tell me about that thing because now is the time to ask people mm-hmm. to share their stories and to get them because that's how we go on. Yeah. And how we remember we teach our children, you know, your grandma yeah. made this cake that was famous mm-hmm. in her village, you know, or whatever that is. Yeah. I heard a story when I was home with my parents about my dad's parents. And my dad's dad was a baker and he got to America. This is in like 1904, 1906, something like that. And he was sending money home to his ma, to his uh, wife. And he had three children at the time. And he sent a picture. And in the picture, he, and we have the picture hanging on the wall in my house. And it's big. It's like a 11 by 17-ish, wow. I would say now. I mean, it was like a, a large photograph. And he's wearing a suit and a tie. Hmm. And my grandmother, no, this is my great-grandmother. It was his grandparents. Because one of the children. I was wondering about that timeline. Yeah, yeah. one of the children was his mom. Um, So in the the picture, he's wearing a suit and a tie. And uh, Manya, certainly, says, he's a millionaire. Someone's going to snap him up. We're going to America. Like that was the motivation, a photograph was the thing that made her go, come on, we have to get to New York oh my God. before he marries somebody else, which is something that very much happened in the time, which yeah. is that you would move to America. You know, you thought he's a millionaire just because of the suit he was wearing. The suit. He was not. He's a baker, and he was certainly not a millionaire, but he took a good picture. He knew the power of, <laughs> a, good, power of a good picture. Yeah, right, right. But in that moment, that also opened up for me like this, this joyful connection to now to that picture i've seen that picture on my parents wall for you know decades you know the story behind it that picture was the reason that my dad is here yeah why i am not living in poland right now yeah you know yeah 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 wow that's cool that's cool and now see now i'm thinking and this is what stories do we're just we're talking about like now i'm thinking of all the like oh the family photos in my history and like who was that or who's the who's the really interesting great grandmother or great grandfather who did so I have to just give a plug for this thing that my family is doing right now, which is called Storyworth. Do you know about Storyworth? Storyworth. Storyworth is a is a program that you can sign up for and we gave it to my dad. My sister gave it to my dad for Christmas or something. And he gets emailed a question a week that he responds to via email and it stores all of his all of his answers and they're questions like what did what how did your parents teach you values or like what do you remember about you know your neighbors who were your neighbors and what do you remember about your neighborhood growing up or and just one a week well just one a week so it's totally digestible and you know he 
his it's important to him to pass his story on but he a num you know and has like a start of a sort of a memoir like a hey like my, my kids should know my story here it is but it's really hard to think about how do I put my life story down yeah. this really nice digestible one question one question a week it gets distributed to the people that we specify so I get an email when he's answered a question and oh, I can cool. read so you can read them in real time you're not waiting end, for a memoir to get published or right something. but at the end of the year they all get put into a book uh, and so you have a takeaway of exactly these things. And it's all these things that you never think to ask people while they're still here, you know? And then and then they're gone and you recognize what you, the information you're missing. And love it. It's, and think about the power of that. Similar to, that reminds me of the time, the idea of just taking a simple prompt, your neighborhood, mm -hmm. your first job, your, you know, yeah, some something, you know. Yeah. Um, Vacation, you know, something that could trigger a specific memory. You talk about that thing, and then that thing becomes, you know, captured mm -hmm. and transmitted in that way that it comes out of here, out of this huge bank that we are carrying mm -hmm. of our lives and our life experiences, and what a gift it is to you and to your family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To have that recorded and have that um, there. I totally want to do that with my, uh, I'm thinking of my mom in particular because yeah. she, she's got so many. So many stories, but it's once a week. Once a week, he gets an email, and he often sort of lets a couple of them pile up, and then mm -hmm. answers a few of them at a time. You know, yes. like it's not it's low it's low pressure. The version of that that I would like the delta I would make to that, yeah, would be tell us a story, like like a recording, kind of like just answer this question and just talk for you have five minutes, you know, and just talk freestyle. So again, in my experience. And this is also partly about the craft of writing, which I think is for a lot of people, people approach it in different ways. And I wrote a book and, you know, a lot, a lot of my writing process is judging myself. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, that's not a good story. That's, I don't know if I want, and I could word that, but you know, there's this whole critic that's always sitting on our shoulder. That's always telling us, well, don't write that. And the joy for me and the freedom of storytelling is that it feels as free as this, as conversation. Yes. As, as I'm just talking about it. I'm not making it precious. So if I say, tell me a story about your first neighborhood, you tell me the story that comes out, and that's just captured. Then you could have an album at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And there's also something beautiful about capturing people's voices. And that too, yeah. because that's... And, and you could do both, right? So because of the, the easy transcription technologies that are out there now, you know, tell us a story out loud and then transcribe get it transcribed and then boom just make sure it's actually says what what you meant to say and then you have both yeah uh yeah but i love this idea there's there's something about this this notion too with your dad going back and harvesting these memories like sometimes we'll pick up things that maybe they're now they're actually not true like they actually didn't happen but mm. they've become the story yeah. like, and when I was back east last month uh, I went with my dad uh, and my stepmom and my girlfriend we went and visited the house the first house I lived in in Medford Massachusetts and apartment so we went to the outside and it was really funky because there were parts of it that were just so resonant for me like I remember this curb on the sidewalk and I remember the way that the driveway comes into the sidewalk and the look of the steps going up to the front porch like all that was totally familiar but my dad was like 
I don't think this building had a second floor on it when we lived in it. And we were, we couldn't remember. I didn't remember. I, I, but the trees that were in front of the house, my dad was like, this tree was a tiny tree. Of course, sure, it was 45 years ago. Yeah. You know, the hedge looked exactly the same. Yeah. But the tree didn't, you know. And so I was like, is this the house we grew up in? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. We had, I think my dad called my mom and asked her, and we didn't have a consensus. We were like, I gotta go back to the videos. I haven't heard the result yet, but that I'm, I'm intrigued by this notion of our telling stories from our past sometimes it doesn't matter that it's true and sometimes it does like i don't know i'm just kind of riffing here a little yeah. bit yeah i had a i had a uh, i don't know loosely loosely related that reminds me of uh something that <laughs> we've got so much permission now. I, I know it's great i took a i took like a, a facilitated new moms i signed up for a moms group it was facilitated and one of the things was tell your birth story it was like your own birth story yes not when I was born. No. You're the birth of oh, okay. your delivery. Yeah, the, you. <laughs> the most recent. It's a thing. It's a well, thing. Because I was like, oh, it's an interesting first-person perspective <laughs> telling your own birth story. Yeah, no. Tell the story of the birth that you were most recently involved in, yes. <laughs> which was birthing your child. And, uh, and the, she said something really cool, which was, I'm sure you've told this story before. I'm sure you've told people about what your labor and delivery was like. Tell, tell it for whatever seems relevant now like tell it for what seems alive about it now avoid the temptation of codifying your story and i think part of that what for her was it's easy to live in if you had a difficult delivery it's easy to live in trauma and sort of like entrench that as 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 the main ingredient in your it's story. A story about birth is story hard about birth is hard and my struggle and it was a fight and it was dangerous and hard and scary and 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 all of those not to erase any of those things but like allow the allow your experience or your relationship to that story to be what it is now to be informed by the moment you're in now and what seems what seems alive about it now and i remember telling that story in a different way yeah. being like oh here's what's salient about my my birth and delivery that was different than it had been in previous tellings all right, let's take a break. We're gonna we're gonna come back and do a second episode with Corey, or like with the same conversation, second episode. But let's take a break, Nate. Thank you so far. This is awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yay! And I hope everybody is not asleep. <laughs> or <laughs> well, if they are, it's Ramona, time to wake up now. Ramona is awake. Uh, yeah, Ramona is awake. We so woke, this was we, we, we failed. Up, we failed so, at the, yeah. the sleeping episode. So, disclaimer. Yeah, we failed. <laughs> we'll be back for more. So there it is. That's the first part of our conversation with Corey Rosen. Man, do I love talking to Corey Rosen. He's great. He's, He's great. Uh, lots of insight. And But wait, there's more. We have we continued the conversation and uh, had good fun. You'll hear a little bit more of Ramona in the second half. Yeah, definitely. She has, she's, she wakes up, she's experimenting with her voice. She's telling her story. But if this is the only one you listen to, again, you can go back and get Corey's book by going to mango.bz. Put in the Monster Baby 10 code, you get 10% off. You can also find it at other booksellers. Uh, 
but we like supporting the publisher and other independent retailers. That's right. Support your independent bookstore and uh, listen on for the next episode for the rest of our conversation with Corey. We love you. Thanks for listening in. Bye-bye.